Welcome to The Last American Vagabond. I have a special interview today with Kivork Almasian, the founder of Syrian Analysis, a very intelligent, objective researcher specifically focused on Middle East politics, to discuss a, an investigation he's been conducting in regard to a possible potential plan to assassinate President Assad in order to, as I understand it, sort of get a political win as we go forward into like election season or a lot of different interesting reasons around, you know, a lot of the different moving parts going on in the world today. And so I wanted to invite him on to discuss what he sees there, why he thinks that might be happening, and then the logic around it. I'm very fascinated by this. And we all have seen the ongoing occupation of Syria, so it's not that hard to wrap our minds around. So let's get into it. How are you today, Kevork? I'm very good. Thank you very much for having me, brother. It's a really pleasure to be on your show. Ah, it's a good to have you back, man. And we always enjoy our conversations. I, I really do value your work a lot in this field. So, so let's get right into it in general. So, I mean, we, we, I, I don't think we need to educate the audience in either side in regard to the history around the, the Syrian, you know, the illegal U.S. occupation. So where we're at now, obviously, there's a lot of other moving parts in the world and what are going on in particular around the Middle East right now, Israel, Palestine. Why do you so go ahead and just start from the beginning on this theory? So where did you first see this and why do you think this might be happening in regard to the potential assassination of, of President Assad? Yes, I just want to give a very quick context about this because it's very important to contextualize the issue so people can grasp the importance of uh, and where this could lead if it happens. So since 2011, the CIA and the Pentagon, they had the covered operation in Syria, Timber Sycamore, and in parallel, there was a Pentagon program to overthrow Assad. Billions of dollars has been poured, have been poured in, in Syria true regional countries, and the, the, this proxy war that uh, it was initiated by the CIA, it was more like a give and take. Sometimes Syria was uh, winning the under-territory, like liberating some of the territories and sometimes the proxies of the United States. But this has started to change drastically in 2015 when the Russians intervened and before that uh, Iranian advisors and Hezbollah fighters. I think up until 2017, the regime change war was on the table. And uh, when Trump came to power, he ended the regime change because uh, of the strong Russian presence in the country and the eradication of most of the U.S.-backed, uh, let's say, proxy uh, groups underground. So Trump ended the regime change war in 2017, and he released the information that we need to know about it. And the New York Times says it's it's one of the costliest uh, covert operation in the history of the CIA. Uh, and it was the costliest uh, insurgency in the, in the history of the CIA, right? Do you they mean that were financially or or personally financially financially okay. yes financially um the the former head of the Saudi intelligence uh, Banda bin Sultan uh, who was uh, named uh, or his uh, let's say uh, they used to call him in Washington DC Banda Bush because he had very close relationship with the Bush family and also with the neocons. When he came as a head of the intelligence in Saudi Arabia in 2013, he asked for $2 trillion to remove Assad from power. $2 trillion. We're not speaking about billions now. We're speaking trillions. And, of course, they couldn't allocate $2 trillions. It's a, it's a crazy amount of money. But uh, my estimates, uh, uh, by what we have seen underground in Syria, it's around $200 billion. If we compare it, to the Ukraine war, Ukraine's size is so much bigger than of Syria. So if you do the the calculation, you will see that the amount of weapon that they dumped in Syria, uh, it, 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 it's way more than they dumped in, in, in Ukraine. But mm -hmm. all this weaponry went to these radical groups in Syria. And because there is this precedent also of killing Gaddafi and mm -hmm. killing Saddam Hussein. So when ISIS was advancing from Palmyra to Damascus, uh, there was a meeting between John Kerry and 
so-called uh, civil opposition figures in Washington, D.C., and someone, we don't know who is that person, someone was recording the conversation, apparently, uh, in secret, and this tape ha- has been leaked to w- WikiLeaks, and WikiLeaks published it online, and we understand now that behind the scenes, the American administration under Obama, they were very happy to see the advance of ISIS to Damascus, and they thought it would be... Uh, uh, they, they are going to practice pressure on Assad for Assad to compromise. This was the idea. But mm-hmm. we all know that when ISIS knocked the door of Damascus and they were in El Yermuk refugee camp, uh, they were firing rockets and mortars on uh, the presidential palace. Then the rockets were falling around the presidential palace where Assad used to work. So if ISIS advanced in Damascus back then, they would have murdered Assad. This was uh, out of question. And this was allowed by the United States because remember, in 2014, the US initi- initiated what it's called the US led uh, campaign against uh, terrorism or against ISIS. And after this so called campaign against terrorism, ISIS expanded, d- dramatically expanded in Syria. So, anyways, um, this was uh, the the issue of the regime change has been put on the shelf uh, and they they didn't uh, they they gave up on let's say militarily to uh, remove Assad in 2017 and Trump imposed draconian sanctions on on the Syrian people in the hope that the people will rise this time against Assad. So you suffocate the people, you uh, send 90% of the people below the poverty line which according to the UN it is the case. And they were hopeful that the people will rise against Assad and they will remove him from power. Yes, they succeeded partially. Assad, in my opinion, lost uh, some of his uh, popular base after these sanctions because the people are generally uh, expecting from the government to provide the basic necessities. Mm -hmm. And the government isn't able because the oil and gas fields are occupied by the United States. The wheat is by the United States, and uh, there are draconian sanctions on the country, and all the regional countries are afraid to deal with Syria because even third country companies, those are not related to any government. If you are, let's say, Nestle in in Dubai and you want to send milk to Syria, you are unable to send that because the American government will come after you and sanction this company, which is non-governmental, let's say, uh, you know, so. And I'll add really quickly to that, just so I've I've made this point many times, and I think even you and I talked about this before, which is that this is in fact the it's one point in time and you could find these documents still the stated purpose of the sanctions, not to yes. pressure the government. I mean, it's really, it ultimately is pressuring the government, but it's designed to hurt innocent people to push them against the government. This has been documented many times. So it just kind of yes. gives you an insight into who these people really are. And, and to, to your point about ISIS in general, I think it's, I, I recently did a watch along with James Corbett on his excellent Al Qaeda documentary. Ben Swan has done a breakdown of this. It's at, at your point about why ISIS would go after him. And clearly it's because I think we can prove that it's a, a proxy army of the West. And I think we need to realize that and not be afraid yes. to state that today. So go ahead. No, mi- 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 Michael or Michael Hudson, uh, he's a very famous professor as well. Uh, he says that Al Qaeda is a contract army for the United States. And we shouldn't be even afraid of mentioning this because facts are underground speak for itself and i come from syria and we've seen who was supporting isis and who was supporting al-qaeda underground it's not like the united states is telling isis like let's 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 um establish something called isis no they paved the environment they prepared the environment they paved the way for such groups to to emerge Mm -hmm. and then they dump tens of billions of dollars worth of weaponry in syria 
um, mostly coming from Libya, Turkey, and uh, from different countries, for example. And you say, we're sending this weapon away to the moderate rebels. You organize something called the Free Syrian Army, and the Free Syrian Army, they start distributing this weapon away to the radical groups, to ISIS, to al-Nusra. And even if they don't distribute it and give it to these radical, more radical groups, let's say, these groups are way more powerful that they will come and take over this weaponry. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I mean, this, this stuff are very... Um, it's a common knowledge in Syria, you know, when you speak these things in, 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 in among, uh, let's say, in front of Western audiences, sometimes they are shocked, but this is the, we, we, this is the reality. Mm-hmm. Now, because, uh, as I mentioned, the regime change war has been put on the shelf and they started to uh, impose these draconian sanctions, they thought that they would manage to remove Assad again from power, and this didn't work. And now that with the escalation uh, of the conflict in Palestine and Syria is an essential part of this conflict, people need to understand that the main reason, the direct reason why they wanted to remove Assad, because Assad refused to sign a so-called peace treaty with, with Israel for a very long time, himself and his father. And he insisted that the Palestinians have the right for statehood and insisted that the Palestinian refugees have to return back and also insisted on armed resistance. And by doing so, he uh, he opened all the warehouses, military warehouses of uh, Syrian army to Hezbollah and Hezbollah managed to bring this weaponry to the Gaza Strip. People need to know that even the Secretary General of uh, uh, Hezbollah, Said Nasrallah, a few years ago, he said that he was meeting with Bashar al-Assad and he told him that the Cornet rockets that they received from Syria, they want to send it to Gaza. And Assad asked just one question, are you able to do it? And he said, yes, then do it. So now that the Cornet rockets that are being used by Hamas and Jihad in the Gaza Strip, those are from the Syrian warehouses. The Russians mm-hmm. never... They do not give such weaponry to non-state actors. Those right. come from Syria. That's why they wanted to eradicate, let's say, Assad from power. This is the direct reason. Now, with the escalation of the conflict, as I mentioned, in the Gaza Strip, Syrians, they have two combat units uh, near the Golan Heights. They prepared them uh, with, 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 in collaboration with the Iranians and Hezbollah that if there is a war, a regional war, there are two combat units that they would uh, uh, try to liberate the Golan Heights. This is number one. Now, the Israelis are worried from the intervention of Hezbollah in this conflict. Mm -hmm. Hezbollah's intervention is a game changer, more than the Syrian intervention, because Hezbollah uh, is a guerrilla army. Uh, Their tactics is different from a regular army. In Syria, they can eradicate the air bases, they can eradicate, eradicate the military bases, but what can they do with Hezbollah? Hezbollah is, uh, is a militia, it is, a, they have a city under a city, they have tunnels, they, they can, I've been in, in southern Lebanon in one of these bunkers that Hezbollah established and it was discovered by Israel, so they made it uh, like a museum. And mm. we went there and it's like tanks can move inside these tunnels, right? Wow. So those are very, very big tunnels, city under the city. It's uh, all their electricity. There is air conditioning, uh, their <laughs> lights. Uh, it's like a, it's like an entire city. Anyways, so they're afraid of the intervention of Hezbollah. And they said, if Hezbollah intervenes in this conflict, we are going to hit Damascus and we are going to assassinate Assad. And this was revealed and by... Who's saying that? This is, is Israelis sent okay. this letter, this message to uh, Syria and to Hezbollah through the French mediators. And this was revealed by Yedot Ahranot. 
And this was also echoed and repeated by the former MI6 agent Alistair Cook in one of his recent interviews that mm. he heard similar reports as well. Personally, I asked a few of my contacts in Damascus and they take this uh let's say, threats with, uh, seriously. And they're alarmed. And they are ready for such, uh, for such a scenario uh, in Syria. In Washington, D.C., um, I know this may sound like, uh, because they say you have a friend of a friend, but it's a very good contact that I have in, uh, um, in, in, in America. And this person, he has contacts with, uh, within the American administration. And he told me that the Americans... Two months ago, even before this conflict in, in the Gaza Strip, they were considering of getting rid of Assad and mm-hmm. finish what they call, quote, unfinished business. Right. And why do they want to do that? Because after the uh, failed counteroffensive in Ukraine, it was a huge failure, not for Ukraine. This is not Ukraine's war. This is NATO's and America's war. Right. So they consider it in Ukraine a strategic failure uh, from, from a geopolitical perspective. Financially, they're making money. But geopolitically speaking, Russia won this, mm-hmm. uh, this round of uh, war, right? So before the next elections in 2024, they want to achieve what they call a strategic victory in the Middle East by removing Assad. So if we put all this information together and all this context together, it makes sense to me that they want to uh, assassinate Assad if Hezbollah intervenes in this conflict because they want to uh, achieve this strategic victory before the elections because uh, they can prolong the life of the empire and prove themselves that they are still a hegemon over the global affairs. Right. But what if what if Hezbollah intervenes, Iran intervenes, uh, Syria intervenes, the Yemenis intervene, and this turn into uh, a regional war with global ramifications? Right. Remember what Putin said in this regard. Putin gave the order to his aerospace to conduct 24-7 uh, uh, flights over the Black Sea. He gave the order for the MiG-30s to fly 24-7, and those are equipped with hypersonic Kinzhal missiles. Why did he, Putin gave this order? Putin doesn't like bluff about this, these mm. issues. We have to take this seriously because the Americans sent their aircraft carriers to the Mediterranean accompanied by elite warships and nuclear submarines. Who is going to convince me today that the United States sent all its elite warships to the Mediterranean and nuclear submarines to deter Hezbollah. Hezbollah is a militia. Uh, You do not need all these, let's say, fighter jets and all these nuclear uh, arms to deter Hezbollah. This is Mm -hmm. directed to, in my opinion, to Syria, one. And the second, also possibly against Egypt, because they want to intimidate and blackmail Egypt to receive 2.2 million Palestinians from the Gaza Strip and house them in what uh, I, uh, I alone, the former deputy uh, foreign minister of Israel, Anal Jazeera, said in these beautiful uh, um, camps that they're going to establish, refugee camps in, in, in the desert, so that they uh, reallocate or relocate all these Palestinians to the Sinai temporarily, wink, wink. Right. <laughs> I mean, who are they fooling? You know, it's so clear what they are, what they're trying to do. 
on the well, the, the leaked the leaked documents that have come out that have all all but been verified. I mean, WikiLeaks has confirmed that it's a real document, but ultimately that it's every aspect of this plan is literally in effect and happening. So it's it's obviously they're not going to come back. They're trying to push them into the Sinai Desert. I mean, it's it's a very all of what your war crimes, forced displacement. I mean, everything that's happening. But what's interesting to me, back to the the topic we're discussing, is so so our, so what you're saying is two things. One. It seems like, which is just a classic, seemingly Western kind of action to, we'll just murder this guy because it will give us political points, you know, like that kind of argument. So that seems to just be like a really basic concept that would light up with historical actions. But what would be the political benefit other than that? Is there anything in your mind other than just showing that they have power coming up in an election? What do you think it would accomplish even to assassinate Assad right now with the current dynamic? There are many things they can accomplish if they assassinate Assad. First of all, they give the biggest service to Israel, which means uh, if Syria falls, uh, if Assad falls, the alternative is not 99%, it's 100% is going to be a friendly government to uh, to Israel and to really? the United States. Of course, if, uh, if Assad falls, the uh, who is the opposition to Assad nowadays? The all these talking heads on televisions, uh, they are under the payroll of Qatar, they are on the payroll of uh, uh, the CIA and the payroll of the United States. And all these Soros organizations that are funding the independent journalists, independent politicians, we all know, like you just you go to their websites and just click on about or, or uh, who is funding them and you can right. see the, the foundations, all these foundations that are affiliated to NED, USAID and all these Soros organizations, right? Right. The alternative to, to Assad is uh, is going to be fr- a friendly government to the United States and to Israel, and this geographically means that uh, the the next government, if they manage to remove Assad from power, he will he will close the borders between uh, to in front of the Iranians. Because mm-hmm. remember what the Americans are doing in Syria; they're not only stealing the oil; they have another military base on Al Tanaf border crossing. Why? Because they want to block Syria's uh, trade routes and also the lifeline of Syria to the east, right. and and when they do that, uh, they're blocking Syria uh, this uh, connection between Tehran, Baghdad, and Damascus and Beirut. So the Syrians opened a new border crossing in Al Bukamal. And remember, just a few days ago, when Biden gave the order to bomb Syria, they bombed exactly that border crossing because they want for this border crossing to be closed. And if this border border crossing is closed, then Syria will no more be able to get any sort of uh, aid, whether it is trade relationship or military aid from from Iran. So that's that's going to be one of the things that they will block this, which means Hezbollah will be isolated and eventually the Palestinian uh, armed factions will be isolated. So this is the biggest service for Israel if they do that. The so, second thing, of right. course, for, 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 for the United States, this is very, very important. If Assad is gone, Qatar will extend its uh, gas pipelines mm. uh, through Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Syria, Turkey to Bulgaria. Mm. And you will see uh, that Qatar will provide the necessary gas that the Europeans need ah, in, yep. in the next years. And they will, they will no more be in need for the Russian gas. Up until this moment, the Europeans are buying Russian gas from a uh, black market, from the Indians and from the, from the uh, Chinese with, with higher prices, and the, the liquefied natural gas from the United States. But if they can bring it from Qatar, cheap 
gas from Qatar. There will no more need. There is going to be no need for pipelines from 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 Russia anymore. This is also the plan of the Americans, right? Right. This is a really interesting. I've often made this point that at some point, at some there's these classic concepts like in Iraq that you know it's a war for oil, which is never that simple, right? But these concepts were generally accepted. There's a, a huge factor there. But at some point along the line of conversation, everyone acted like, oh, that's passe. It's not about oil anymore. It's about X, Y, and Z. But it's never really been the case. Like what you're tapping. I mean, it, it, it is. There's a lot, mo- lot more moving parts to this. But oil. And geostrategic control of never stop being wildly important to the dynamic. And so what we are highlighting here is, is that this is very clearly still tapped into these long term plans about pipelines and control. And it just it's it's I guess what I'm saying is it's interesting how people act like that's not part of this. And we're looking to like biosecurity and, you know, which and they're really there now, the Great Reset. and These things all overlap. But these parts still matter very importantly to the strategic control of the area. And so that's really fascinating to me is that obviously isolating Russia in this in, in the same way and blocking them off for that. It's, it's really important, I think. But I guess to my other point, too, is that and, and it almost kind of explained it with your explanation there. I was going to ask, would that even deter Hezbollah? But your answer then is if they were able to accomplish that, it effectively would cause this cascade effect that would affect them. And so that's interesting. But still the same question with all of that. Do you think that that will deter Hezbollah from entering something that it seems they're already very clearly involved in? Hezbollah is directly already involved in this conflict. Right. Uh, they are firing the ATGMs like they are fire, they, like, like they are eating candies. And this is this is a really important question. If they fire two hundred uh, anti anti tank rockets in the past few days <laughs> on, on Israel, how many anti tank rockets do they have? Mm-hmm. If 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 I am in charge of the military affairs in Hezbollah and I don't have twenty thousand units. Of this weaponry, I'm not going to fire 200 units in two three weeks against uh, against the Israeli tanks and armored vehicles, right? So Hezbollah is already a part of this conflict, but people need to understand what's the role of Hezbollah in this. The role of Hezbollah, from their perspective, of course, this is not my wishful thinking. I'm just analyzing. Um, Hezbollah's role is to keep one third of the Israeli army busy in the north and in southern Lebanon, in north Israel, southern uh, uh, southern of uh, Lebanon, because if the Israelis, uh, they they called all their units to go to Gaza, they, they have around 350,000 uh, soldiers, let's say. And now around 150,000 of them are busy in the north because if Hezbollah uh, intervenes in this conflict, people need to know what Hezbollah is and what how Hezbollah uh, grew in the past, uh, since 2006. If they intervene and they wage a ground offensive, what we have seen from Hamas on the 7th of October, it's going to be like uh, from a child playbook, as uh, Scott Ritter said the other day. And he is correct on that because Hezbollah are 100,000 uh, fighters. They are ideologically very, very strong and they are very, very disciplined and they have a very long uh, combat experience in Syria. 12 years of war in Syria against the most vicious terror groups in the world. And above all this, Hezbollah has anti-tank rockets, sophisticated ones. They have anti-aircraft missiles. They can gun down the uh, F-16s of uh, of the Israelis. They haven't used it yet, but you will see it if there is is a regional war. They have anti- uh, ship cruise missiles. They have Yachont. Yachont is a very sophisticated missile 
that the Syrians bought from the Russians. And then all of a sudden they end up in southern Lebanon. It's like everything we get from Russia in Syria, it goes to, to, uh, to Hezbollah. Um, and uh, they are very strong and disciplined army. I think uh, if Hezbollah intervenes, Israel will need the intervention of uh, the American forces. Right. And they will need it because Hezbollah and Syria, they are able jointly to neutralize the air bases of Israel. And if that happens, where from where the uh, Israeli warplanes will operate from the American aircraft carriers, right? right? And this is one of the reasons why they are in the Mediterranean. So if that happens, we are we are faced with a regional war. And, uh, we, and the regional war with global ramifications, and as I told you, the Russians already sent their message. Syria is a red line. Their mm. presence in the Mediterranean is a red line. Assad is a red line. And they are ready to engage with the Americans through these hypersonic missiles. I think Maybe it's just I'm being naive here. I think the Americans have no strategic interest at the moment to ex- to to for the world to expand. They don't want it. In my opinion, maybe I'm naive. I think the Israelis are dragging the Americans into this conflict, and I they're bringing them. Yeah, I think so. I think the Americans are not ready to open big war in in the region. All their interests in the Gulf. Their uh, their companies, the flow of the uh, energy resources from the Gulf countries, there will be huge uh, financial crisis, energy crisis around the world. And the United States is already printing hell of a money to sustain its uh, uh, war machine, let's say, in, in Ukraine and now in Israel. So I think it's if there is a regional war, financially speaking, it's not in the interest of the uh, United States to get involved in such a big war because uh, the economy will be exhausted and we will see huge inflation in the United States. And at the end of the day, the Americans then need to have also air bridge to bring all sort of weaponry to the Middle East, whereas the people of the region, they're there, their factories are there, their weaponries are there. And it's quite obvious after this Gaza onslaught that even even though some of the governments in the region, like in the UAE, in Saudi Arabia, and the rest are just being in the middle or sometimes pro-American, let's say, but the people in the region, they the public opinion in the region is it's so sharply now against the Americans and against the Europeans, something we haven't witnessed before. It's it was pretty obvious now that uh, for the Americans. And for the Israelis and for the Europeans, the Arabic people, they're just like flies. And if if the Israelis kill uh, now like 4,000 kids in, in, in three weeks in Gaza and the American administration says there is no red lines, there, no, you can do whatever you want in the Gaza Strip, then this sends a message, clear message uh, to the people in the region that um, the Americans are not their friends. I'm not yeah. talking about the ordinary people, but the right. deep state in the United Never. States, they are very, very, very vicious and they're trying to save themselves and keep their hegemonic status. And I think this is this is, this is is the beginning of the end of the American uh, empire. I'm not saying that it will collapse, but they will not be able to rule the world unilaterally like they used to do in the past decades. Yeah, I agree. And to your point about, you know, the, the normalization deals, and I know we have limited time. The, Egypt is a good example of that, where, at least in my opinion, like in particular regarding Israel, where you have this 
extreme, like obviously pro Israel stands from the government, from the elitist perspective, but the people, as far as I understand it, it's aggressively anti-Israel kind of, you know, and that's the government again, not about any, you know, that they always try to make these about the people and the individuals because it pits us against each other. But I think it's interesting is even in regard to the, the whole entire current conflict in Israel, in, in occupied Palestine is around the world. You're finding the example that you've got governments that are aggressively pro-Israel to the point to where they're calling it taboo to even call for a ceasefire when you can prove that, at least in this country, it's 60% of every category is calling for ceasefire. So it's like they don't yes. even care what the people think. And I've always tried no. to make people see that. Now, just last question before before I let you go here is that you mentioned the secret base as well. The the U.S. The Intercept covered the secret base that the U.S. is building in or around Israel close to Palestine, occupied Palestine. And so it's interesting to me that we talk about the assassination of Assad and and or but your point is that all of this being done and the aircraft carrier seems to almost be kind of like trying to taunt Iran into what's going on. But those in a way almost seem contradictory, right? Because if if argument being that they would force them in if they took action with Syria, but they're almost kind of so how do you see those playing together kind of in the last point? Do you think they want Iran to come in or is that sort of a, a taunt? To, you know, how do you see it? There is a, there is a contradiction between the statements and the actions. On mm -hmm. one hand, they say for Iran, uh, uh, don't. This was the quotation, don't. And at the same time, the yeah. <laughs> I think Kamala Harris, she, she, oh my God. Like sometimes I wonder if the Americans know that their leaders have become the mockery of the world when they speak like that. Uh, they need to understand that the, the time has changed and, um, Iran is not afraid of uh, of the of the United States, and the the rest of the people are not like intimidated by the United States. And the message was clear in in the past two weeks. The American forces in Iraq, in Syria, and in every occupied areas they came under fire up until right. today. They're firing against them. So this is the message from Iran. If the if the uh, Americans will intervene, they will of course intervene in this conflict. The Iranians do not want to open a regional war in the region, but the flow of all these soldiers, special forces to, to Israel, the mm -hmm. expansion of this military, secret military base near the Gaza Strip, bringing all these warships and aircraft carriers and nuclear weapons to the region again. I mean, those are not an indication that uh, the Americans are willing to de-escalate in the region. Right. They are getting ready. And as I said, this is, this is not America's war. This is Israel's war. And the Americans are coming to help their ally. I don't want to, I don't want to say any other words, not to be fined here in, in, in Germany, but they're coming here to just to, to in, in, in support of um, an occupation, illegal occupation under every UN charter, every UN resolution says Israel is an occupation force. And right. they are aiding this occupation and they're aiding the murder of, look, I don't like to play sensationalism, but the, if you watch the footage from Palestine that on, on social media platforms, how can any person with the minimum humanity not feel yeah. sick in the stomach seeing all these kids, kids, newborn babies are coming under the rubble, shattered, bo shattered bodies everywhere. And, and then... With a straight face, they come to the media and they say, like, uh, Israel is trying to minimize the civilian cash. No, they're not trying to, to do that. They're trying to drag the Americans into this war. And I think the Americans understand that. And now we can see that they're speaking about the end of uh, Benjamin mm -hmm. Netanyahu's political career. But do not underestimate Netanyahu's uh, psych uh, psychopathy. Uh, he could drag the Americans into a war and then we will see uh, hell on earth in, in the region. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that, but believe me, after decades of intimidation and bulldogging against the people, like, what are you doing in Syria? Like, you're like a pirate. 
stealing the oil, blocking the trade routes of Syria, blocking the Silk and Road Initiative of China to reach to Syria. It's like it's like you're just there to impoverish the people and keep them poor. And people know that. People are not yeah. stupid in the Middle East. If you if you ask anyone in Syria, like 100 people in the street randomly, you can speak with them the way we were speaking right now. People are educated. People are know politics quite well, you know. And yeah. people know what's happening and they're fed up. Of course, they're angry at the government because the government cannot provide them with the basic necessities. But they also know the source of this uh, misery, right? I agree. I know you got a hard out in like one minute, so I don't want you to be late, but I will just end with the fact that I I personally think that there are entities within this that definitely want some level of destruction and terror and horrifying things to happen. That's my personal opinion, but I think this comes from extremist elements within a lot of these Western governments, and it's a problem. We have Lindsey Graham Mm -hmm. literally saying it's a religious war. Level it. I mean, come on. You know, it's very clear where they're at least presenting themselves. But so I'm I'm glad that we have people like you that can be analytical and objective and and, and cover this information. So thank you for Join me, brother, and uh, we'll connect Thank again. Thank you so much. Thank this. you so much, brother. I will yeah. always be uh, in touch with you, and it is it is my pleasure to be with you. Well, thanks, brother. And as always, everybody out there, question everything, come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.